Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCorp Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Judith Giro-Bennett, uh, the founder and CEO of Blue Box, about a non-invasive test she's developed for breast cancer. Judith has a very, very impressive background. I, I would like to share some of that with, with our audience. Judith uh, received her uh, degree at uh, the University of Barcelona. In 2019, she was awarded a Belcells uh, Fellowship to pursue her master's degree in Embedded and Cyber Physical Systems at the University of California, Irvine, where she and a fellow classmate founded Blue Box in 2021. Her non-invasive test for uh, breast cancer, which we'll be talking about presently, is featured in the Prototypes for Humanity program, uh, which is in conjunction with the COP28 conference that's being held during the recording of this podcast. So, uh, Judith, uh, welcome to Clinical Lab Chat. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your breakthrough and your other diagnostic work. So let's not uh, delay any longer and let's get, get to talk, uh, talking about that. But before we do, uh, I want I want to back up a little bit. Now, I did read one of your uh, online bios about some of your other tests you've helped develop uh, using smell and urine as a sample, and I was intrigued by your inspiration, uh, the natural world. So, how has the natural world influenced your work? Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, the whole inspiration behind the blue box is the fact that dogs are able to smell cancer. So when I was studying biomedical okay. engineering at the University of Barcelona, uh, I got frustrated because there were, so we were studying how we could capture data from the human body and use this data to predict diseases and conditions. But people were still dying um, out of cancer, just out of the blue. So I got frustrated, like we are not doing enough. Until one day I went to a conference and they were explaining how they had trained a dog to smell breath from patients and bark if patients had lung cancer. So that was definitely an inspiration about, mainly about the fact that if you are an engineer looking for the perfect design, the most awesome technology, you will often, oftentimes find it in nature. And that's how actually the whole project, the whole the Blue Box project started. Okay, great. Uh, so years ago, and this is part of the reason why I was interested in speaking with you, I uh, I interviewed a top mammographer in the world, probably or the United States, probably the top uh, uh, mammographer, and he lamented to me, I think several times, that there wasn't a blood test uh, to diagnose breast cancer. Now, I think you may have answered his wish in a little bit of a different way uh, for a non-invasive way to diagnose it. And against you, and this is why we're talking to you today about uh, your urine uh, test uh, for breast cancer. So, how does it work? Why does it work? And what was your breakthrough moment? <laughs> okay, so our goal was to make breast cancer, to democratize access to breast cancer prevention. And there already exist some technologies in the lab that 
that make it possible to detect breast cancer from different body fluids, from different body samples. However, those technologies are currently not being um, offered to women through a screening program because in order for a technology to be de deployed into a screening prog pro uh, program, this technology has to be low cost, non-invasive, non-irritating, um, comfortable, quick, easy to use. It has to be carried out in any facility, not only in very high-level labs. So this, not a lot of technologies fulfill all those checks. So what we did is uh, we tried to build the most uh, point-of-care technology that we could think of, but at the same time that it could perform with enough quality um, to be deployed into a screening program. So what did we do? How does the blue box work? Well, science has long reported that there are some breast cancer biomarkers in urine that are correlated with breast cancer. However, there is not one single biomarker that alone lets us identify breast cancer. What we did is select the relevant set of biomarkers and find uh, a pattern, find um, the pro how to so how to find breast cancer out of them, and what allows us to find breast cancer is not the presence or absence of those biomarkers, but rather the proportionality between their intensities. This pattern is what we, the smell print, some people call them. Yeah, that's how we find breast cancer, and that's our trade secret. That's our algorithm. Okay. Okay. And. Uh... Is it available? I mean, could, are you using it now or is it being tested? How does it, where are we now with this? So we are past the preclinical validation uh, this March. So since the very beginning of the company, since we founded the company, we have always uh, been working with, with hospitals. This technology has almost been co-designed with a lot of doctors because we okay. biomedical engineers, we need to always ask the medical community how should we deliver this solution to you? So that's what we did. Uh, we have been working with seven hospitals in Spain. We have analyzed over 500 women and we have used their samples, their data to train and validate our technology. Um, yeah, so we, this March, we, we were able to prove that the Blue Box worked good enough to position itself as a promising future tool for breast cancer screening. So right now we are working on preparing for mass production and we will be carrying out clinical trials next summer and launch into the market in the first quarter of 2025. Oh, wow. So, you know, the, the mammographer I was talking about before, uh, his big problem was, or his, his problem with mammography, strangely enough, was uh, the fact that it's too sensitive. So is that, is, is that something you're solving a little bit that you're trying to get these, not these false positives or, you know, certainly with mammography, you pick up all the little, little structures that you have to address and, you know, it's very invasive and it's the, the test is invasive, the, 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 the biopsies are invasive, etc. What, are you solving some of that, some of those issues uh, with sensitivity? Exactly. Um, there are some, so there's currently an open discussion about mammography. We all know, so we are all sure about the fact that 
mammography saves so many lives. Uh, women over 50 need to take yearly or biannually mammograms depending on the recommendation from their physicians because we don't have uh, anything else. That's the best that we have right now. However, at the same time, using the mammogram for screening is not ideal. Um, why? Well, for starters, um, the, the mammography is not reliable for women under 50. That's because younger women have denser breast tissue and it is difficult to find small tumors in mammographies from younger women. Actually, some paper that I read recently reported that 44% of breast cancers are missed by mammography in women under 50. This is why one of our goals was to develop some technique that would work for all ages. Mm, okay. So one of the things you brought up, and this is something that uh, regular listeners to the podcast, uh, readers of our website and our magazine know about, I'm very interested in access to testing. Uh, we have these wonderful tests. If you can't get tested, what good are what good are they? So you brought up the issue of of access, uh, and how important is that? You know how important was that in the development of the test, and how important is that um, in the broader sense of getting treatment faster and survivability of of what unfortunately is a fairly common disease. Well, accessibility is key. It is it's dramatic. Um, because right now, if you think about it, breast cancer is one of the most treatable cancers, but at the same time, it is also the number one cancer killer for women. So what's happening here? What's, you know, um, what the problem is a lack of technology. Uh, the most, the main reason why a lot of women still die from breast cancer um, is not that much the lack of treatment, but rather the lack of tools, the lack of technologies to detect breast cancers on time. Because if you detect breast cancer on time, the prognosis are so much better. It is one of the cancers in which uh, an early diagnosis has so much good prognosis. So yeah, exactly what you were saying. Um, ensuring that women have access to breast to, to, to early testing, it's key. And that means um, not only um, having a technology be accessible from a technological point of view, so it does not only mean low cost, easy to use, quick, but also price. Uh, is it feasible to pay for it? Is prevention cheaper than treatment? Um, and this is something that uh, we all need to take into account. Right. And certainly the test itself as it stands now is mammography. Well, it's, unfortunately, for those of you out there who, who are uh, pro-mammography, uh, I'm pro-mammography. It's just I'm, I'm with, uh, with uh, Judith here that finding a, a test that's uh, less invasive. And with a less invasive test, are we also looking at... Uh, better utilization of the test because it's not you know mammography is not a, a pleasant test 
I'm also pro-mammography. Mammography saves so many lives. In fact, right. uh, our target users are women who are too young to get tested with mammography. But okay. we are not even comp- competing with mammography. We, we, we want to coexist right. with mammography so that we can okay. widen the, the, the age range subject to screening. Right. So the, the ideal user, a, a, a patient at this point would be those younger women that you're that we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Between 20 and ago. 49. Oh, OK. Great. OK. So how do labs fit into this? So we're clinical lab uh, lab products. We, we talk about our laboratorian uh, listeners. How, how do they fit into this equation? So the, the ProPox is a little bit in between uh, places because uh, it is a uh, yeah it is a, a test a medical test but at the same time is a very point of care test which is something not that common in the gynecology space. So actually the blue box could be performed right there at the gynecologist's office. Um, our goal is that the nurse practitioner uh, at the same gynecology office. Uh, Carries, carries out the test while the gynecologist examines the patient. Um, and this is because we have an extra complexity here, um, which is uh, urine samples get deteriorated in time. So if you analyze a sample with the blue box after mm. 12 hours or after uh, versus after one day, the quality of the exam or the reliability of the exam is worse. That's because we analyze some biomarkers that are volatile organic compounds, and um, if you analyze the sample too late, some of those biomarkers will, will have already become volatile and they will have exited the sample. So uh, if right. this test is conducted at the lab, we need to send samples fast and we need to refrigerate the samples. Great. Uh, okay. So what's next? Uh, what are what are some of the other diseases and tests that you're looking at? Are they inspired by the natural world, uh, as with uh, your initial tests? And uh, what so what are you looking at? What what's next? The reason why we called the blue box the blue box and not the pink box is because breast cancer is just the start. We have started with breast cancer because we have seen this obvious need and gynecologists were asking for this solution so loudly. However, um, science has already reported um, many other biomarkers are very good indicators of other types of cancers, but actually not only cancer, but also uh, women's health in general. So our next uh, goal will be uh, once the blue box has reached the market, we will start reinvesting our revenues in R&D and trying to add more indications to our pipeline. Um, we, so my guessing is we will be targeting next endometrial cancer and ovarian cancer, but that's still to be decided because we have to conduct further a, a bigger meta-analysis considering which biomarkers have been reported, if they are actually present in a urine sample, uh, at which concentration, how good and how feasible it is to, volatile, to, to make these biomarkers become volatile so that our sensors can sense them. So they have to hit many checks, but that's something that we will definitely right. be looking into not far from now. Well, that's great. It's, it's This is very exciting. I'm, I'm glad we were able to speak to the, today. And um, unfortunately, with that, our, our time has come to an end. 
Uh, Judith, thanks again for taking time to speak with me today uh, about your very, very exciting test and technology. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. And if you come up with something next, uh, I'd love to have you come back. Uh, I also want to thank you, uh, you, the laboratory audience, for listening. Uh, Look for more episodes of uh, Clinical Lab Chat in the future. And visit us online at clpmag.com and on all the major social media platforms. And so until we meet again, be well.